everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode is a bonus episode requested by a listener, and uh, I try my best to accommodate all requests. Um, so, uh, to the listener that uh, made the request, sorry for taking a couple weeks to get this to you. Hopefully, you enjoy it. The subject. For today's episode is an ASM article on C.S. Lewis. As always, I mean, these, um, you know, the information is so abundant, I might have to, uh, you know, cut out a couple parts here and there, but for the most part, we just learn about uh, C.S. Lewis today and um, his influence, his legacy, and, and uh, for some we learn, for others we get bored, for all we get tired and sleepy. Without further ado, let's jump into this ASM article. Clive Staples Lewis was a British writer and lay theologian. He held academic positions in English literature at both Oxford University and Cambridge University. He is best known for his works of fiction, especially The Screwtape Letters, The Chronicles of Narnia, and, and The Space Trilogy, and for his nonfiction Christian apologetics such as Mere Christianity, Miracles, and The Problem of Pain. Lewis wrote more than 30 books, which have been translated into more than 30 languages and have sold millions of copies. The books that make up The Chronicles of Narnia have sold the most and have been popularized on, t on stage, TV, radio, and cinema. And yes, I did participate in a uh, high school play of The Chronicles of Narnia. His philosophical writings are widely cited by Christian apologists from many denominations. Biography, starting with childhood. Clive Staples Lewis was born in Belfast. Is it Belfast or Belfast? Let's say Belfast. Belfast, Ireland, on November 29, 1898. His father was Albert James Lewis a solicitor whose father, Richard, had come to Ireland from Wales during the mid-19th century. His mother was Florence Augusta Lewis, known as Flora, the daughter of a Church of Ireland priest and great-granddaughter of both Bishop Hugh Hamilton and John Staples. He had an older brother, uh, Warren Hamilton Lewis, known as Warney. When his dog, Jaxie, was killed by a car, the four-year-old Lewis adopted the name Jaxie. At first, he would answer to no other name, but later accepted Jack, the name by which he was known to friends and family for the rest of his life. When he was seven, his family moved to Little Lee, the family home of his childhood, in the Stantown area of East Belfast. As a boy, Lewis was fascinated with anthropomorphic animals, he fell in love with Beatrix Potter's stories and often wrote and illustrated his own animal stories. He and his brother Warney created the world of boxing, inhabited and run by animals. Lewis loved to read. His father's house was filled with books, and he felt that finding a book to read was as easy as walking into a field and finding a new blade of grass. As a teenager, Lewis was wonderstruck by the songs and legends of what he called Northerness the ancient literature of Scandinavia preserved in the Icelandic sagas. The 
these legends intensified an inner longing that he would later call joy. He also grew to love nature. Its beauty reminded him of the stories of the North, and the stories of the North reminded him of the beauties of nature. His teenage writings moved away from the tales of boxing, and he began using different art forms, such as epic poetry and opera, to try to capture his newfound interest in Norse mythology and the natural world. Studying with Kirkpatrick, the great Nock, as Lewis afterward called him, installed in him a love of Greek literature and mythology and sharpened his debate and reasoning skills. In 1916, Lewis was awarded a scholarship at University College, Oxford. Within months of entering Oxford, the British Army shipped him to France to fight in the First World War. In one of his letters, Lewis cited that his experience of the horror of war, along with the loss of his mother and his unhappiness in school, were the basis of his pessimism and atheism. Next, we move on to My Irish Life. Lewis experienced a certain cultural shock on first arriving in England. Quote, No Englishman will be able to understand my first impressions of England. End quote. Lewis wrote in Surprised by Joy. Quote, the strange English accents with which I was surrounded seemed like the voices of demons, but what was worst was the English landscape. I have made up the quarrel since, but at that moment I conceived a hatred for England which took many years to heal. End quote. From boyhood, Lewis had immersed himself in Norse and Greek mythology, and later in Irish mythology and literature. He also expressed an interest in the Irish language although there is not much evidence that he labored to learn it. He developed a particular fondness for W.B. Yeats, in part because of Yeats' use of Ireland's Celtic heritage in poetry. In a letter to a friend, Lewis wrote, quote, I have here discovered an author exactly after my own heart, whom I am sure you would delight in, W.B. Yeats. He writes plays and poems of rare spirit and beauty about our old Irish mythology. End quote. In 1921, Lewis met Yeats twice since Yeats had moved to Oxford. Lewis was surprised to find his English peers indifferent to Yeats and the Celtic revival movement and wrote, quote, I am often surprised to find, how, to find how utterly ignored Yeats is among the men I have met. Perhaps his appeal is purely Irish. If so, then thank the gods that I am Irish. End quote. Early in his career, Lewis considered sending his work to the major Dublin publishers, writing, quote, If I ever do send my stuff to a publisher, I think I shall try Manusel, those Dublin people, and so tack myself definitely onto the Irish school, end quote. After his, after his conversion to Christianity, his interest gravitated towards Christian theology and away from pagan Celtic mysticism. Lewis occasionally expressed a somewhat tongue-in-cheek chauvinism toward the English. Describing an encounter with a fellow Irishman, he wrote, quote, Like all Irish people who meet in England, we ended by criticisms on the invincible flippancy and dullness of the Anglo-Saxon race. After all, there is no doubt, a me, that the Irish are the only people. With all their faults, I would not gladly live or die among other folk, end quote. Throughout his life, he sought 
out the company of other Irish people living in England and visited Northern Ireland regularly. In 1958, he spent his honeymoon there at the old inn, Crawfordsburn, where he called My Irish Life. Which he called My Irish Life. Excuse me. Next, we move on to First World War and Oxford University. Soon after Lewis entered Oxford in the 1917 summer term, he joined the Officers' Training Corps as the university as his, quote, most promising route into the army, end quote. From there, he was drafted into a cadet battalion for training. After his training, he was commissioned into the 3rd Battalion of the Somerset Light Infantry of the British Army as a second lieutenant. On his 19th birthday, November 29, 1917, he arrived at the front line in the Somme Valley in France, where he experienced trench warfare for the first time. On April 15, 1918, Lewis was wounded and two of his colleagues were killed by a British shell falling short of its target. He suffered from depression and homesickness during his convalences, and upon his recovery in October, he was assigned to duty in Andover, England. He was demobilized in December 1918 and soon restarted his studies. Jane Moore During his army training, Lewis shared a room with another cadet, Edward Courtney Francis Patty Moore. Maureen Moore, Patty's sister, said that he said that the two made a mutual pact that if either died during the war, the survivor would take care of both of their families. Patty was killed in action in 1918, and Lewis kept his promise. Patty was earlier Patty had earlier introduced Lewis to his mother, Jane King Moore and a friendship quickly sprang up between Lewis, who was 18 when they met, and Jane, who was 45. The friendship with Moore was particularly important to Lewis while he was recovering from his wounds in hospital, as his father did not visit him. Lewis lived with and cared for Moore until she was hospitalized in the late 1940s. He routinely introduced her as his mother, referred to her as such in letters, and developed a deeply affectionate friendship with her. Lewis's own mother had died when he was a child, and his father was distant, demanding, and eccentric. Speculation regarding their relationship resurfaced with the 1990 publication of A. N. Wilson's biography of Lewis. Wilson, who never met Lewis, attempted to make a case for their having been lovers for a time. Wilson's biography was not the first to address the question of Lewis' relationship with Moore. George Sayer knew Lewis for 29 years, and he had sought to shed light on the relationship during the period of 14 years prior to Lewis's conversion to Christianity. In his biography, Jack, A Life of C.S. Lewis, he wrote, quote, Were they lovers? Owen Barfeld, who knew Jack, one in the 1920s, once said he thought the likelihood was 50-50. Lewis spoke well of Mrs. Moore throughout his life, saying to his friend George Sayer, quote, She was generous and taught me to be generous too. End quote. In December 1917, Lewis wrote in a letter to his childhood friend Arthur Greaves that Jane and Greaves were quote, the two people who matter the most to me in the world. End quote. In 1930, 
Lewis moved into the Kilns with his brother Warney, Mrs. Moore, and her daughter Maureen. The Kilns was a house in the district of Headington Quarry on the outskirts of Oxford, now part of the suburb of Risinghurst. They all contributed financially to the purchase of the house, which passed to Maureen, who by then was Dame Maureen Dunbar, when Warren died in 1973. Jane Moore suffered from dementia in her later years and was eventually moved into a nursing home, where she died in 1951. Lewis had visited her every day in his home until her death. Next, we move on to C.S. Lewis' career, beginning with Scholar. Lewis began his academic career as an undergraduate student at Oxford University, where he won a triple first, the highest honors in three areas of study. He was then elected a fellow of Magdalen College, Oxford, where he worked for nearly 30 years, from 1925 to 1954. In 1954, he was awarded the newly founded Chair of Medieval and Renaissance Literature at Cambridge University and was elected a fellow of Magdalen College. Concerning his appointed academic field, he argued that there was no such thing as an English Renaissance. Much of his scholarly work concentrated on the later Middle Ages. Lewis was a prolific writer, and his circle of literary friends became an informal discussion society known as the Inklings, including J.R.R. Tolkien, Neville Coghill, Lord David Cecil, Charles Williams, Owen Barfield, and his brother Warren Lewis. Glyer points to December 1929 as the Inklings' beginning date. Lewis' friendship with Coghill and Tolkien grew during their time as members of the Col Colbatar, an old Norse reading group that Tolkien founded and which ended around the time of the inception of the Inklings. At Oxford, he was a tutor of poet John Benjamin, critic Kenneth Tynan, mystic Bade Griffiths, novelist Roger Green, and Sufi scholar Martin Lings, among many other graduates, undergraduates. C.S. Lewis' career as a novelist. In addition to his scholarly work, Lewis wrote several popular novels, including the science fiction Space Trilogy for Adults and the Narnia Fantasies for Children. Most deal implicitly with Christian themes such as sin, humanity's fall from grace, and redemption. His first novel, after becoming a Christian, was The Pilgrim's Regress in 1933, which depicted the experience with Christianity in the style of John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. The book was poorly received by critics at the time, although David Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of Lewis's contemporaries at Oxford, gave him much-valued encouragement. The Space Trilogy, also called the Cosmic Trilogy or Ransom Trilogy, dealt with what Lewis saw as the dehumanizing trends in contemporary science fiction. The first book, Out of Silent Planet, was apparently written following a conversation with his friend J.R.R. Tolkien about these trends. Lewis agreed to write a space travel story and Tolkien a time travel one, but Tolkien never completed The Lost Road, linking his Middle Earth to the modern world. Lewis's main character, Alwyn Ransom, is based in part on Tolkien, 
a fact to which Tolkien alludes in his letters. The second novel, Paralandra, depicts a new Garden of Eden on the planet Venus, a new Adam and Eve, and a new, quote, serpent finger to tempt Eve. The story can be seen as an account of what might have happened if the terrestrial Adam had defeated the serpent and avoided the fall of man, with Ransom interviewing in the novel to ransom the new Adam and Eve from the deceptions of the enemy. The third novel, titled That Hideous Strength, develops the theme of nihilistic science threatening traditional human values embodied in Arthurian, in Arthurian legend. Many ideas in the trilogy, particularly opposition to dehumanization as portrayed in the third book, are represented more formally in The Abolition of Man, based on a series of lectures by Lewis at Durham University in 1943. Lewis stayed in Durham, where he says he was overwhelmed by the magnificence of the cathedral. The Chronicles of Narnia is a series of seven fantasy novels for children and is considered a classic of children's literature. Written between 1949 and 1954 and illustrated by Pauline Baines, the series is Lewis' most popular work, having sold over 100 million copies in 41 languages. It has been adapted several times, complete or in part, for radio, television, stage, and cinema. The book contains Christian ideas intended to be easily accessible to young readers. In addition to Christian themes, Lewis also borrows characters from Greek and Roman mythology, as well as traditional British and Irish fairy tales. Next we move on to other works. Lewis wrote several works on heaven and hell. One of these, The Great Divorce, is a short novella in which a few residents of hell take a bus ride to heaven, where they are met by people who dwell there. The proposition is that they can stay if they choose, in which case they call the place where they come from purgatory instead of hell, but many find it not to their taste. The title is a reference to William Blake's The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, a concept that Lewis found a, quote, disastrous terror, a disastrous error, excuse me, end quote. Before Lewis's conversion to Christianity, he published two books, Spirits in Bondage, a collection of poems, and Dimer, a single narrative poem. Both were published under the pen name Clive Hamilton. Other narrative poems have since been published posthumously, including Lancelot, The Nameless Isle, and The Queen of Drama. Christian Apologist Lewis is regarded by many as one of the most influential Christian apologists of his time, in addition to his career as an English professor and an author of fiction. Lewis was very interested in presenting an argument from reason against metaphysical naturalism and the existence of God. Mere Christianity, the problem of pain, and miracles were all concerned, to one degree or another, with refuting popular objections to Christianity, such as a question how could a good God allow pain to exist in the world? He also became a popular lecturer and broadcaster, and some of his writing originated as scripts for radio talks or lectures. 
His most famous works, the Chronicles of Narnia, contain many strong Christian messages and are often considered allegory. Lewis, an expert on the subject of allegory, maintained that the books were not allegory and preferred to call the Christian aspects of them, quote, suppositional, as, Lo as Lewis wrote in a letter to, Mrs. to a Mrs. Hook in December 1958. And now we move on to what I believe might be the final section, which is the legacy of C.S. Lewis. Lewis continues to attract a wide readership. In 2008, the Times ranked him 11th on their list of the 50 greatest British writers since 1945. Readers of his fiction are often unaware of what Lewis considered the Christian themes of his works. His Christian apologetics are read and quoted by members of many Christian denominations. In 2013, on the 50th anniversary of his death, Lewis joined some of Britain's greatest writers recognized as Poets Corner, Westminster Abbey. Um, and then I include a couple things there that I'm going to skip only because I have to get out of here pretty soon. Uh, okay, yeah, th this is what I meant to include. Most of Lewis's Posthumous work has been edited by the literary executor Walter Hooper. Catherine Linscog, an independent Lewis scholar, argued that Hooper's scholarship is not reliable uh, and that he has made false statements and attributed forged works to Lewis. A bronze statue of Lewis's character Diggory from The Magician's Nephew stands in Belfast Hollywood Arcs in front of the Hollywood Road Library. Several C.S. Lewis societies exist around the world, including one which was founded in Oxford in 1982 to discuss papers on the life and work of Lewis and the other Inklings, and generally appreciate all things Louisian. Live-action film adaptations have been made of three of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there you have it. That was the last section for this ASM article. So that was C.S. Lewis. Hope uh, the listener who requested that enjoyed it. Maybe you're asleep by now. Even though you didn't request it, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, concerns, you can always email me at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening. And take care.